I know I'm gonna die at any second. If I live it right, one time is more than enough. I don't deny the fact that there are things that, that women can't and things that women can do, men can't. We don't compete, we complete each other. Money is a necessity, not a priority. People who are crazy are the ones that change the world. You said you put all your money into tech. What tech did you put all your money into? The reason I went into spirituality is because I hit rock bottom. I chose two partners, they were not good. I was the financial provider. There was emotional abuse, physical abuse and all that. I'm a better businesswoman, I'm a better mother, I'm a better friend, I'm a better daughter because of my spiritual path and my awakening. Why don't you give yourself the permission to do it? Why do you need all this validation and all this permissions from strangers? This is your journey. If you left a good impression, then you're immortal in everyone's hearts. You don't need to be on a wall or a book or a museum to be immortal. You can be immortal in people's hearts. First things first, guys, before we get started with this podcast, do me a solid favor and subscribe to this on whatever platform you're listening to it right now. Whether that's YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, I'd appreciate if you just hit that subscribe button and it lets me know that the content that I'm putting out for you guys is hitting your ears at the right time. Much love. This podcast is sponsored by contentremover.com. So whether you're looking to remove any images, videos, search results, fake Instagram accounts, get in touch with us at contentremover.com. Welcome back to the Frankie Lee Podcast, coming to you live from Dubai. And today I've got a very, very, very inspirational guest. She's had nine businesses. She's been an entrepreneur since she was 15 years old. She uh, has has won, I think it's about 148 awards. It's it's mad what she's achieved out here in Dubai. Sarah Almadani, welcome to the podcast. Did I get the name right? Yes, you did. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Do you know how many times I have been so... I've been so cooked on this name. It's easy. This now name you right. get it. Now you now, get it. And that, that was the first time I've ever got it right in the whole time you've been here for the last yeah. 20 minutes. So I'm, I'm actually proud of myself right now. I'm proud. We had like 10 trials. No, 15 trials. And you just won. <sighs> it's, okay. It's just Foreign it, name. It's okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a struggle. It's I a struggle. It. English accent, you know, yeah, Arabic name. It. It's, it's a hard thing to get yeah. there. But you've had an unbelievable journey in business and, and 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 you've been on this massive spiritual journey as alongside all that and evolved yourself but i really want to get into the crux of you developing yourself as an entrepreneur and how that kind of came about because obviously you started very early 15 years old so what were you what made you want to even start that young what kind of drove that decision to be honest i don't know but what i know is that when i speak to my parents about it they say you didn't just start acting like he wanted financial freedom and he just wanted to be an entrepreneur at the age of 15. My dad said when you were three, you would massage us for money. He's like, when you were five or six, he said you would buy candy and resell it to your cousins who couldn't leave the house to go to the candy store. He's like, you always did it, although you were a child and you didn't know why. And that's why if you ask me, are entrepreneurs born or made? I say everyone can learn how to do it. But really, we are true entrepreneurs that have that spice in them. They're born. So, because I was like that ever since I was born, I was young, but by the age of 15, now that I, when I sit and reflect and I'm like, okay, what made me at the age of 15 wanting, wanted like to be financially independent. And when I go back, I remember I had some of my relatives, my aunts, they got, my aunt got divorced and to be divorced, it's like uh, frowned upon in the Arab culture. It was a taboo back then. And she was left with nothing and no one. Because in our culture, the girl depends on her dad, 
her brother, then her husband. And if the husband's gone, it's the brother or the dad. If the brother is gone, it's the dad. So it's like she is non-existent and always depending on somebody. So I looked at what happened to my aunt. I looked at what happened to a lot of the women around my mom when I was young. And I remember I did when I was young, when I looked at my aunt and my mom's friend, she was going through the same thing. I said, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to beg and for help and tell people, do this for me, help me. I didn't want that. I wanted to be so independent that I wouldn't ask anybody for anything. So was it a total drive for independence or was it something, you know, you'd, you'd just driven to be that, you know, make money to, to get out there, to, to earn your own crust? To it was never money. Money is a necessity, not a priority. I need it. It makes life easier and better. I love it. But it's not a priority, which means I'm not going to kill myself for it. I'm not going to step all over people for it. I'm not going to deceive and lie and cheat for it. It's not a priority for me. So it was never about money, but it was more about feeling like, I don't know how to explain it, but it's like more about feeling like I'm in control. Like I have this, I can do whatever I want. Like, you know how when you're a kid, you tell your parents, like, I want this. I want to buy this. They go, like, no, no, no. You got to study to get this. You got to get good grades. You got to do this. You got to do this. So it was like more of, why am I asking? Why Remove was my aunt rules. asking? Why, are, why, are they, why can't they do it themselves? And I was the black sheep in the whole, not, the fam, not my family, but the whole entire, like, I think my, my whole ancestors. Like, I'm the black sheep of the whole thing. So it's always been then that the the males in your family would go out, earn the money, create the businesses, create any form of wealth that the family had. And the, and the women would always, you know, st- stay at home, be provided for, do what they wanted. Kind not, of not really. I didn't come from a family like that. My mom was a teacher. Um, my aunts had a business, but like it didn't last long. Um, it, it's not that... The women in the family have to sit at home. No, we don't have that culture. We don't come from like a very old culture style. You know what I mean? No, we were a bit more modern and advanced in the way we were, but yet not as open as I am as a person right now. But my, no, it wasn't like that at all. Okay, so let me put it for you in this way. When it comes to being a male, I think that a man should be the provider and the protector, you know? Do you, do you think it gets harder then for a man to provide and protect you as you've got so successful yourself? Does the pool of the pool of men obviously get smaller and smaller for you? Oh, the pool definitely gets smaller. But I don't think it's harder for a man because no matter how strong I am or independent financially, outside the house I'm a boss lady, but at home I'm just a girl, you know? And I'm a woman in the end. I do need protection. No matter how strong I am, I do need protection. I am vulnerable. And I don't deny the fact that there are things that men do that women can't and things that women can do men can't. We don't compete. We complete each other. We're like yin-yang, you know? So I know that no matter what, no matter how strong, how independent, how, how much of a boss lady I am, once I'm home, I don't want to be all of that. I want to hang that coat outside the door. I want to be vulnerable. I want to depend on him. I want to be cute. I want to, you know, like I want someone to, you know, take care of me and like, just make my day a bit easier. Someone I can sit and talk to. Someone I can open up to. Someone I can ask for advice and all that. So I don't believe that you got to be a boss uh, lady inside and outside the house. You got to give the man space so he can practice his alpha behavior. 
Yeah, I, th- I think that's yeah. I think that's the the key thing there is like if if he if if a man was dating you obviously and came home and you're still in boss mode, he would struggle to to deal with that because obviously he, he, there's that there's that barrier between you, of isn't course. there? And you've cr- and you've created that. Yeah. What age were you when you f- first started your first proper business? Though obviously 15. you actually actually at fifteen you started a proper business. Yes. That, that was actually registered as, as a business and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So at the age of 15, um, when I told my dad I want to start a business, he told me, uh, I take care of you. Why do you need money? Like, whatever you need, I'll get for you. And I was like, no, no, I want to start a business. He's like, why do you want to struggle? Why don't you focus on school? And I was like, I want to do it. He's like, no, you're not. He's like, you're my little girl. I, I'm daddy's girl. So he wanted to spoil me and do all of that. But then, bless his soul, behind his back, behind him and my mom's back, I went out, I was modeling, which was like very, like a taboo thing in my culture for a girl to model. I was modeling, I was a promoter for a lot of like uh, soft drink companies, like Pepsi and all that behind their back. Once I was caught with pictures, I deny it to this day. I tell them it wasn't me in that picture that my mom's friend uh, took. I like got a small amount of money. It was around like $10,000. And I, I sold electronics here and there and toys and things like that and gadgets so I had like around $10,000. Back then, it was a lot of money. And I rented a space that already had a guy that wanted exit money to leave the space. There was employees there already. And it was in the same industry. It was fashion. So paid the key money, got the store, and I was there sitting with like three, I think there were four, I don't remember, four or three men, all in the age of 40 and above, and I'm 15, and I'm like, I'm your new boss. <laughs> let's do some clothes. And they're like, mm, no, we're not doing that. So it took me like six months to make them understand that we're a team and I'm just here with a vision. And, you know, when team works, team works. And it took six months for them to actually break that, you know, barrier between us and start like working together. And when was did that business start to like really make money and start to take off for you? Um, uh, 2015, I started... No, it was 2014. I don't remember it, to be honest. It was when I was 15. I'd say by the age of 18, the business was booming. I had three locations with my business partner back then, three locations and all that. And I remember when I was opening the third location and the launch party, uh, my dad came and apologized to me in front of everyone that attended the event. And he was like, um, sorry, I gave you a hard time. Sorry, I didn't support you. I didn't believe in what you wanted to do because you're my little girl, you know, and I wanted to protect you. He's like, but now I see you growing. You're doing runways around the world and you're doing all these fashion weeks and you have three stores. He's like, I'm so proud of you and whatever you need, I'm always here for you. So you, t- you turn that into money and you, and you opened up three stores within how long? Yeah, in I'd say for, uh, when I was... 19 no 18 i had three stores yeah that's mad isn't it when you when you when you you actually when you actually break it down three years three stores where where were the other two stores so one was in sharjah which is a different city in the uae one is in dubai and then one is in ajman right and so and once you'd obviously started to cash flow that business you're making money in the united arab emirates and everything's going well for you what other businesses did you then start to look at and pivot into? Okay, so it was always fashion. I've done it for 20 years, fashion. But I had to step out 
when I was going through my awakening and spiritual journey. And I realized that I don't even like fashion. I just did it because I'm a woman and that's what a woman should do. So it was like brainwashed by society. So I stopped and I was like, okay, it makes money, but I wake up every day dreading and I'm trying to love what I'm doing. It's not working. I feel, you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh my God, I have to go to the workshop again. I have to design again. I have to. And I was like, but that's not how it should be. Because when you love something, you don't get tired doing it. You're inspired, right? Is, is that though because you took what you're passionate about and you'd made it your work? Is no, that- I was never passionate about fashion. I just, it's a thought. So when I, when I first started, I wanted to change uh, the way women wore their traditional wear. And I wanted to make it like funky and uh, strong and bold because I wanted women to look strong in their traditional clothes. So that's how I started. I wanted women to rebel, you know, through right. my fashion. <laughs> yeah. So that was my passion. And then I realized that I don't love doing fashion. It's not my thing. Do you think that rebel in terms of you wanted them to rebel, do you reckon that was just a reflection of how you felt inside yourself? One million percent. One million. I'm rebellious. Like I have a tattoo here that says rebel, you know. I'm, I'm rebellious. I knew that. And I wanted women to find their power. I wanted women to um, just find their happiness and be free. Because that's a God-given right, to be free and happy. I wanted that for women. And I was like, okay. At, back then, I didn't have a voice. I wasn't like a public speaker and all that. I was like, how do I do it? How do I push women out of their comfort zone? I was like, fashion, you know, their clothes. But then after a while, I realized, oh, my God. Um, I just did it because it's a female industry, and I'm a female. And that's what I've been taught. But that was through my awakening journey. And then I shut down the company and I just put all my money into tech. At this point, we, we, was your first marriage on the cards at this point? Uh, no, it came after, like in between. My, I got married the first time, 2000, no, I don't remember the year, but I think I was 27 when I got married. Oh, so that, that's a lot further down the track. Yeah. So you pivoted, all, you sold out of everything fashion-wise because you realized that it wasn't for you. Is this, is this when you took that break to realize that? No, no, that? no, no. The break was taken after the divorce. Right, okay. Like years after. Yeah. I was still doing fashion while I was married. I thought that was my thing. But I think the reason I was pushed into this phase where... I was questioning myself and I was like, you know, trying to understand who I am, what I am and what's happening in my life is when I hit rock bottom. That's where I went on like an awakening spiritual journey to understand all of this. And that's, this is where I realized, oh my God, I don't even like fashion. What am I doing? I'm wasting my time. I have a short life. I need to do something I love. Because the key to maturity and to understanding life is not to just live it and explore and try things. That's not it. It's also to unlearn everything you've been taught and to discover who you really are, to let go of who you were told to be, how you were told to be, and to realize that that's not who you are. You've been just molded and created into that. And now you want to let go of that. So it's like, you know, that your funeral for, for the old you, and you want to discover who you really are. Before you were created into this person you were supposed to be, based on culture, based on expectation, based on stereotype, family, how they raised you and all that. So it was just like so, like the best way I can describe it is when I did that, this was the first time I've ever felt liberated. I felt like I can breathe. 
I felt like I was authentic. I wasn't living a, a double life or not understanding or confused and all that. So it was very important for me to just unlearn and then not, not relearn because I'm not learning new things. No, no, no. I am discovering what I already knew inside, but it was put to sleep because of culture, because of upbringing and all that. Because culturally, you're very different as well, obviously, with the tattoos that you have yeah. and, and the way that you dress compared to other yeah. Arabic women would, would it be vastly different, I suppose. Yeah. So not, not only that, but you've also had the programming from how your parents wanted you to be, your school system that you went into, all your friends are doing certain things and, and operating in certain ways. So you had to really break a lot of molds. So that's why you kind of had to take yourself away so to speak because yeah. you couldn't have done that within the same environment that you're in right no I, I i rebelled within the environment that's why i was always in trouble in school in home with friends like i was always in trouble i didn't take myself out i undressed my, my myself and found who i really am and undressed whatever i've been taught and the old me while i was in the middle of all of this because see the thing is Culture, like I, I always tell people this. In the Arab world, I wouldn't say the Arab world, I'd say like in the Middle, East, Middle Eastern, let's say, part of the world, okay? Or the Asian part of the world. Um, if you don't follow culture or if you disobey culture or act out of it, you're looked at as if you like committed a crime. But if you think about it deeply, what is culture? A bunch of people who sat together, created certain rules, they're dead. And now it's peer pressure from the grave. Why do I have to live in their culture while I live in a different era with a different lifestyle, all the technology we have, the boom that we had in this world? Why am I following their culture? But hold on, why can't I create my own culture like they did? Who gave them the right? And why can't I have the same right? But don't get me wrong, I love culture. I respect it. But... I pick and choose whatever fits me. And there's nothing wrong with that. Because a lot of people told me, oh, you're such a hypocrite. One day you like this about culture, and then you don't like that. And you don't like this. I'm like, dude, culture is a box of chocolate. Not every flavor is good. I don't like orange-flavored chocolate. I would leave it. But I would pick and choose whatever I like and whatever I don't like. I, I would not apply it. It's not a crime. I've heard you say before that the conversation that you have with God, so to speak, with the universe, doesn't yeah. have to have a mediator. Yes. That's something you're obviously quite yeah. passionate about and, and, and believe in wholeheartedly. Yes. Because I know you, you like to take out this middleman that there needs to be. And I think one of the key things throughout your business career, your life and everything, is you, you take out the middleman. There's no middleman between you you saying that you and entrepreneurship. There's no middleman between you and the conversations with the universe, God, whatever you want to call it. And there's no... Even even in anything that you do, it's just you just removed it all completely. Hundred um, percent. When it comes to religion, I do not like. I I love debating with people when it comes to religion, but I don't like it when people point fingers at me and they're like, "Oh, look at your tattoos. That's not part of religion." It's like, but but it, that's between me and God, you know. That's not between me and you. And why are you upset if I'm doing something wrong or if I don't look the way you expect me to look? Why are you upset? Mm -hmm. That's your problem, not mine. Go deal with your issues, you know? So I don't let people talk about religion because I'm pretty sure if we go look into their life from a religious perspective, 
They don't have the best religiously perfect life. You know what I mean? There are things that they do that are wrong. But it's easy for someone to point at someone's faults instead of looking at theirs. So I don't let people come at me or attack me from a place of religion. Whatever they say is like, okay, you're right, but that's between me and God. That's between me and God. It's not between us. In terms of like business and, and putting yourself out there in the world, has it been easier to do business for you on the Western side of the world or in the Arab culture? Everywhere. I, there, it, there's no difference. I'll tell you why there is no difference. If something is, if, if in my head I feel like my culture is an issue, then it will be a problem for me and I can't get over it. It'll be hard. But if in my head it's like, that's not an issue. We're different. Everything is different. They don't like it. It's okay. You don't have to accept me. I'm okay with that. I'm fine. I'm happy. It's like once you remove that, that thing and not make it an issue anymore, then it's not an issue for you anymore. It's only an obstacle if you give it importance. Just like gender. For example, a lot of people tell me, being a woman in the Middle East, is it hard? Is that? I'm like, no. I'm, it, it's only hard if I believe it's hard. If, it's only hard if I believe that my gender is an issue. But I don't feel like my gender is an issue. I'm, we're, I'm, to me, I'm genderless. Like We're humans in the end. You know what I mean? So being a female or a male in, in entrepreneurship, like when people talk about it, I go like, huh? Like, why would it be weird if I'm a woman? I get it. I get it. There's culture differences, different parts of the world and all that and how they look at things. But to me, I don't have that as a problem in my head. It doesn't bother me. When you, when you got, when you attracted both your partners that you, that you married at separate, obviously separate times, was there a pattern in the kind of partner that you're attracting? Mm, yeah. What, what was the pattern? So, first of all, self-reflecting when things go wrong is very important because yes, I chose two partners. They were not good. I was the financial provider. There was emotional abuse, physical abuse and all that. But the thing is, why did you stay or choose people like that? Because they showed you their true color day one. So yes, they're bad, but I have no control over people, nor the weather, nor a flower, nor the sun, nothing. Let me leave that aside. Let me look at me now. Why am I accepting this and what's wrong with me? And I'm trying to notice the pattern within me, not the pattern within the guys that I have around me, because th that means I'm choosing these type of guys. So when I self-reflected, I realized that I had emotional traumas um, from when I was young, and I did not worthy myself, and I thought that love was conditional, and I had to do so many things to prove to people that I'm worthy of their love. What was the condition? No, it's like, it's conditional. Like, for example, if you tell me, okay, um, I'm going to be with you if you do X, Y, and Z. I need this, this, and this. I do it because I want to show you that I'm worthy of your love. So you know what I mean? It's like, I don't worthy myself. And it, ca it came from childhood. I did deep spiritual, uh, spiritual healing to heal that and to clean that out of my system. And thank God, because right now my taste in men completely changed. Was there some abuse in your childhood as well? No, 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 there's no abuse. But it was... When you don't value yourself, whatever people do to you, you feel like you deserve it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And especially if you're, because my ex-partners were narcissists. So they make you feel like, okay, if I hit you or if I manipulate you or if I insult you, it's because you're wrong. It's because you deserve it. And you second guess yourself and you question yourself. You're like, oh, maybe I do deserve it. They play with your, the thing is they don't just play with your mind. They play with the chemicals in your body and you become imbalanced chemically. 
basically it's science that's it they they take you up and down so much so that's cortisol uh, no that's endorphins dopamine and then cortisol and then dopamine cortisol what happens is you're addicted to that high so yeah. you're just hanging down there when you're stressed and feeling down waiting for them to take you up there again and they make you feel like no one can do it but them i was reading a study actually about this where um irrespective of whether you're you're an abused husband or an abused wife irrespective that you kind of get trapped into this into this negative way and and you kind of can't be without it even mm-hmm. so you kind of even have to teach yourself how to be without it because even though you you say you don't want to you don't want the abuse on this side you keep putting yourself in the situation where the abuse keeps happening so to speak because of the pattern that you're in is that something that you felt was happening and that's why the second occurrence happened one million percent. But back then, I didn't understand. I thought, yeah. oh, maybe I'm just in love and addicted to him and I'm dying. But then when I looked at it from a scientific uh, point of view, and I went, I did like courses with the top narcissist, like expert in the world, and I paid loads of money just to understand narcissism, you know, because I, I all my life I've been with narcissists, like they're four in my life right now. So I was like, why? And I needed to understand them because I needed to avoid them as friends, as partners, and as like people in business. So when I went deep in it, I realized, oh my God, I was never addicted. I was just chemically imbalanced. So what are your top tips then to identify narcissists so you can keep yourself out of situations like that? Um, well, it's, it's a long thing. I cannot teach it all, but I can give you like small tips and hints about it. For example, um, narcissists, um, they act a certain way in front of you. But then to the people around them, they're a bit rude. Like, for example, the waiter. He, the guy would be so nice to you on a date, and he's, oh, my God, and this and that and this. And then when the waiter comes, he's, he's rude. That's one, that's one thing. Second thing is they talk about themselves only the whole time. Um, third thing is they love bomb you so much. It's scary. Like, you feel like, oh, my God, Prince Charming. To, to, to find this love bomb thing from, from a female love, perspective. Okay, so love bombing is when... Uh, the predator, the narcissist, studies the prey. And, for example, he'll go to your Instagram account, he will read all your quotes, watch all your stories, watch who your friends are, follow your friends, watch what they do, look at your interviews or look at your lifestyle and everything. And basically, he will study you, and then he will, like a chameleon, convert himself into everything you wanted. So he'll come, and he's like, oh my God, I, I like women who are smart and who are independent and I'm not intimidated. I'm like, oof, I like that because I talk about that a lot on my Instagram, for example. And then he would say like, uh, money is a necessity, not a priority. I'm like, oh my God, me too, I think like that. Or he would like, for example, say, I don't like to control a woman. I like to be, I'm a man who's in control, but I don't control a woman. I'm like, oh my God, liberating. And then he's like, I don't get how people are rude to other people because I love humans. And in your head, taking all the boxes. You're like, oh my God, that's my soulmate because that's who I am. But on the other hand, the guy studied you. You are the prey. He's the predator. He studied you. He studied your movements, your thoughts, your ideas, everything. He would even say something like, um, you know what's my perfect date? And you go like, what? And you know, he's like, a picnic, a bike ride, feeding the ducks, doing this. And you're like, oh my God. Because you've said it one time on a story that stayed 24 hours, but he was talking to you back then. <laughs> and you're like, 
me too. I need to pull out the story to show you. And I'm like searching for the story, you know. So it's like they study you so much and they become everything you ever want. So then it's easy to fall and you feel calm and you feel they calm your nervous system and you feel like, oh my God, we're meant to be and he completes me. And even if he asks me to marry him tomorrow, I will, I will, because he's everything I ever wanted in men. But he's not, he's wearing a mask. And of course, narcissists, their mask slips after like, I'd say max four months. They can't keep up. It slips and then you see the other side of them. But then when it slips, they convince you that you're the reason. And then it goes from dopamine, 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 so high because he's just doing everything you love and he's everything you want to complete drop where it's like cortisol release in the body and your body's stressed and you're craving the dopamine again. And you know that nobody can make you feel like that but him. Because he studied you so well. Your parents can do that to you. Because your parents, they know you, but they don't use that against you. You know, your friends know you very well. I, I, th- I think some parents do use it against I mean, you. I mean, let's... To um, keep you trapped in a cycle of... But that's of always want, parents, yeah. Or always want to prove something to them. Do you yes. think this happens from, from... Obviously, you know a lot of women in the space, and we don't name any names, but do you think this happens from a female perspective where they do this to men as well? Yeah. Because I see... I Because... I kind of feel like I've lived f- few um, through a few experiences yeah. in my own in my own dating life over the years where I've where I've come up a cropper to this kind of thing. No, it's true. I have a lot of male friends who were with female narcissists. They exist. They in both genders, uh, female and males. I just wish they would all uh, board an Elon Musk flight to the moon and live there and produce children there on their own with their own planet. And just leave normal humans alone because they are extremely dangerous, extremely. They have no mercy and they have no sympathy. They don't care to the extent that they don't know how human behavior is. For example, a narcissist would, would watch a movie and there's a funeral in the movie and someone died and everyone's crying. He doesn't get it because he's emotionally wired different. He's like, why are they crying? But then he sees that that's the norm. He picks it up. He teaches himself that so he can fake cry in funerals. It's like they have no personality. They pick it up from stories, books, and movies, and people just so they can fit in. And do you think this is something that's helped you in business as well? Because a lot of the people who would try and work with you would also study you and try and work with you and collaborate with you because they've seen what you've achieved. So I presume narcissistic behavior can be used to do business with people as well. No, it's called due diligence. <laughs> if you're doing business, it's not narcissistic behavior. If I'm doing business with you, I will do my DD on you, my due, diligence, my due diligence on you. That's it. It's simple. I will study everything about you. I will understand how your mindset is. Not to steal your money, because that's what a narcissist would do, but actually to convince you that I'm worthy enough of your time, of your work, so we can work together. It has nothing to do with being a narcissist. It's called due diligence. I, I, I get what you're saying, but I didn't mean it in, in the due diligence way. I meant to study you in a way that makes them pass that test so that they can get into into doing business with you but really oh. but but really they're not what the due diligence says that they are that's why i've I had that i've had partners so you understand what yeah, i'm saying yeah, i get it so i had partners who were narcissistic as well a female who was my best friend for like nine years and on the 10th year she stole every penny in the company and left so i've had that I, I get it. And like she emotionally abused and manipulated and all that. And six months into the into the friendship, I realized that she switched and changed. But she told me she was older than me. I think she was 10 years older than me. 
So she made me think that I was 15, naive, and by the age of 18, you're still a baby. I'm the, I'm the mentor. So I started taking her bullshit and her attitude towards me and her, her being mean because she told me she's older and I should listen to her. And I did because, you know, bad people think everyone is bad. A thief thinks everyone steals, but good people think everyone is good because I don't have the mental capacity to think the way an evil person thinks. That's why if you passed me and if you could steal money from me, well, good, because I never thought you would do that because my mind doesn't operate like yours. I'm not evil. I'm not vile like you. I'm not malicious. So my mind doesn't go that far into how bad you are as a person. It just thinks everyone, everyone is good. And then you have wishful thinking, which gets you in trouble a lot. Yeah, which can get yeah. you in a lot more trouble. You, I just want to pivot back to some of the business stuff, but you've, you said you put all your money into tech. What tech did you put all your money into? So first, I put my money into a company in LA. It was like a robotics, uh, AI tech company, gaming company, but mainly um, servicing Hollywood. So movies and all that. So that was my first investment. And then the company grew. And then in COVID, I sold my shares. And then I reinvested again in other companies uh, entertainment tech, health tech, fintech, uh, education tech, and NFTs, Web3. So I've just put my money in all these things, and I knew nothing about them. But I'm when it comes to managing my businesses, I'm a leader. I'm not a manager. So I'm visionary, but I, I'm there to allow people to do whatever they want to do as long as the goal is achieved. I'm not there to micromanage or control people. I don't believe in that because that only makes me um, burnout as a person. So micromanaging is not my thing. So I got people who were smarter than me and they taught me tech. That's it. So you literally positioned yourself in businesses where the founder is, is, is the expert in the nation, everything like that. No, no, no. I was the founder. You founded them, right? I founded them, but because I had no, okay, let me backtrack to explain to you. After shutting down my, uh, fashion brand, because it was female driven and I was brainwashed to do that because I'm a female. I was like, no, a man can be in a female industry. A female can be in a man industry. We do business. We do we're good. That's why male hairdressers are better than female hairdressers. So I was like, okay. I wouldn't um, know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> Take it from me. But the thing is, um, I was in LA on a vacation and I was attending a tech conference by force because my friend dragged me there. He's like a, a tech geek. While I was sitting there, there was a guy on stage and he was like, giving a full-on speech about AI and the future of AI and all that. And then he goes like, but ladies and gentlemen, we all know tech is a male industry. When he said that, I felt a fire in my body burning from the to my toes up to my head. And I was like, oh my God, you did not just say that. You know, now I want to be in tech. You know? So it flared your ego a little it did. bit. It did. Now, I wouldn't say ego. It's like, how dare you? How dare you like segregate us because we're females and you say we cannot be in that industry based on who who are you so a few months later i stayed in la i met a couple of because I'm, I'm a hustler so i met a couple of people in tech i told them who i am what i do i already had a reputation uh on the internet and on social media and i've already had an existence when it comes to pr because i've been in the market since i was 15 so I showed them my background and all of that and everything. I also come from a, I'm an ex uh, board member in the government as well in the Ministry of Finance and the Chamber of Commerce. So I have the government background, all that connections and all that. So it was an attractive package 
for somebody who knew nothing about tech to the people who do tech, you know? So I met these guys and we started a company in LA and that guy on stage, I hired him. He worked for me <laughs> for, <laughs> for a while. So I was like, I was like, next time you want to say women don't belong in this, look at you. You bent the knee and you are my employee and I'm a female in tech and I know nothing about tech just to prove to you that I can do it. But then during this like revenge mode on, on the gender where he tried to like belittle women, I realized that I love tech so much. And then I had the company shut it down through, through COVID and then just expanded in tech. But I do, I do have other, like I do have a company that does like brandings, branding, uh, packaging and stuff like that. I have a, a media agency. I have um, a celebrity management agency. Uh, what else do I have? Public speaking is like a full-time job for me as well. So it's like, it's tech, creativity, and like just... You've essentially built the businesses around whatever you need to facilitate the kind of life that you want to lead as well. So you've got all the agencies that support you if you need creative. Yes. If you need to... I'm a one-stop shop. Yeah, yeah you've yeah, got yeah. the one-stop shop for everything. Yeah. And you've built it like that, for, I think, for a fundamental reason that you have yeah. the infrastructure so you can service yourself as well as everyone else right yeah one of the agencies i was reading about that you have is is one that um brings celebrities like chris brown to dubai and sells um autograph stuff isn't it i know so uh one of our biggest companies is called hella high it's an entertainment entertainment tech app where you basically can buy anything you want directly from the celebrity whether it's their merch a, a video from them for you personalized their autograph their nft whatever you need from a celebrity even their tickets is sold on that platform no middlemen in between because you know i don't like the middle people. yeah i know that yeah. <laughs> we, we eliminate those so it's like directly like for example i would request a video from let's say i don't know let's say like arnold schwarzenegger for example and he will get the request on his phone he does the video he press send you receive the video right away and he gets paid and you pay for it so everything related to basically celebrities is found there. However, we did go through a hardship um, coming out of COVID. We we had a fallout with one of our investors. We had to he exited the company. We had to buy him out. That buyout took us a year. But I'm I'm grateful because in that year, Jason Derulo became one of the owners of the company now. So yeah. And, oh really? Yeah. You're part, so you partnered with Derulo. Yeah, he's he he's a co he's became a founder of the company. As, not a founder, I'd say like an owner of the company as well, um, along with my partners. And yeah, I mean, right now we're prepping the tech because we were we were shut down for a whole year just to finalize the. So exit to finalize the exit, shut you down, yeah. Yeah, we had to shut down because there's um, how do I say this? There's like copyrights. There's like uh, intellectual property. There's this, there's that. So we had, the lawyer had to finalize all these things and it took a year. So we're like, okay, it's better to shut down now and put it on pause than for it to grow. And then it's more expensive to deal with everything. It costs more. Let's just pause, finish the exit. And we love our old investor that we had. He's amazing. But he found other interests and he wanted to exit the company. So we're like, okay, fine, let's do that. The exit took a year and then after that year, we were in LA, we were, I was with Jason and with my, some of my partners, and we were talking to him about the company, and he was so into it. And he was like, guys, count me in. I want to be your partner. I want to take this to the next level. So right now, we're rebuilding the tech and like finalizing and tuning and everything, and then we're relaunching in a few months with Jason as the new face and the new owner of the company with and, us. And when you relaunch that, what key markets are you going into first? What do you mean? 
Are you, are you just targeting US? Are you targeting... No, we're worldwide. Worldwide from day when, one. When we launched the platform, we were cute, me and my partners. We, were, we So this is how we started the company. During COVID, um, I was still married to my second ex-husband, so I was living with him in a house. Um, I, I was in negotiation to start this company, Hala High, with two guys. They got stuck in the UAE with COVID, and they couldn't exit the country. You know when the lockdown happened, yeah. the airports and all that. So I was like, you know what? Why don't you move into my house? So two of my business partners moved into the house. My ex, my husband was with me there at that time. My manager, because he lives in Paris, he had to move into the house because he was stuck. Because, you know, in, in, in times like these, this is when humanity is key. Because you don't leave people on the streets just because you don't want them in your private space. Everyone was suffering during COVID. Everything was shut down. So I was like... Everybody just move into my place. You know what? We'll get time to work every single day. We'll focus on the company. And that's how the company came out. It came out from a villa in the middle of Dubai with all the owners sitting in the house and just with their own money, with their own connections, built up the whole platform. By the time the lockdown was off, we onboarded 700 celebrities just from my connections and like from my, my circle of friends and like just going at it and hustling the three of us, me and my partners. On board of 700 celebrities, we already had everything ready. Lockdown was the, uh, was off, started the office, the employees came in, the company just boomed. In the mid of the boom, that's when we had to shut down so our partner can exit, yeah. our investor can exit. But it's good that he's exiting now, like you say, because you don't want the valuation to skyrocket and then have to yeah. exit at a higher valuation. Uh, of course, that, that's a lesson for every entrepreneur. It's like, if you're having... Issues. I didn't have issues with my investor, but if you're having issues or if your investor wants to exit, pause everything because every single day there's growth. Every You never know what can happen. You might boom overnight. So you pause everything. You exit based on your past evaluation or your current evaluation instead of your new evaluation because the paperwork and the lawyer takes a year, you know? So I we paused it because we knew we were growing so fast. How impactful has it been for you to obviously build these connections that you've had because obviously now i'm sure that allows you to attract a lot of opm other people's money yeah. to deals to to create deal flow and then also it gives you connections to obviously leverage when you want to launch stuff um, yeah. and brand deals and all sorts of stuff how impactful has all that been and how have you how have you structured building your network like you have um okay so I love humans. I don't know what it is, but I am so drawn to people. I love humans. I don't care where you're from, what you are. I already love you before meeting you because we are spirits. And I'm energy, you're energy, he's energy, she's energy. So we're all from the same source, which is God, right? So we are created by God. So I love people. So connecting for me is so easy. And connecting on a genuine level of energy is so easy for me to get along with people, to read their energy and all that. But I also know that from a person who comes from a marketing background and experience, I know that your network is your net worth. So I created a huge database of like agencies, PR, news, uh, celebrities, famous people, friends, influencers, and all that. And now, you know, I have a community. I wouldn't say I have a yellow book. No, that's, I feel like that's me using people, but I have a community and when and the community is called The Others. We have it like a group of people. We're like around 3,000. Is this the WhatsApp group you're telling me about? Yes, The Others, yeah. <laughs> so it's a community uh, of 3,000 people all over the world. And you can't be invited to that community unless you're like vetted and someone invites you and we look into your life and everything. Because 
We want to create a safe space for people to connect on a genuine level without you having to worry about, is he trying to scam me? Is he a fraud? Is it real? Is it a fake story? Is he like uh, rubbing his ego all over us? We are eliminating the fear and we're creating a, a, a space for entrepreneurs to play and to enjoy and to travel and to support each other without having to worry about anything because we've done our due diligence. So people just post into this group saying, hey, I'm looking for X, Y, Z, who can help me? I need a job. Help me, guys. Everybody helps. And they're not really? expecting anything in return because we make sure they're all deeply spiritual as well. So they are here of, to service each other. Because, yeah. you know, for me, I, I believe I am a person who was born to service humanity. Because I'm a light worker. And these people, the 3,000 people that we have on the others group, it's called the others because we know we're different. So the others is that it's a community that just supports each other and helps each other out. That's it. Whatever you need. I need marketing. I need a connection. Who knows the number of the head of uh, XYZ company? Here it is. Take it, you know. So we're there to support each other with no expectation or or anything in return. We're just doing it for the sake of making the world a better place because everyone here is just dealing with ego, money, power. We don't believe in all of that. We believe we all rise together, you know, and when you, you one candle can light a thousand candle and still stay lit. And this is something that you've built from scratch yourself and yes. started to put all your connections in yes. it and you control the flow of everything. 100%. So you, so you vet everyone that goes in there. Everybody. And when, for example, let's say you tell me, I want to invite my friend to the others uh, community group. And I would tell you, do you genuinely think that your friend is genuine, his heart, his intention? Have you had situations where your friend was there for you? Were you there for your friend? So we do ask these questions and we make sure that it is your responsibility not to bring a rotten apple into this community because that's your responsibility. It's like right now you're the captain of this airplane and we're all your passengers. Who are you letting on this plane, you know? So we give that responsibility to everybody. That's why they're really careful when they invite people. And, and when you get to a level of group, like a WhatsApp group that has 3,000 people in it, you're, you can, you've now got a real strict process now. No, no, we have an app for them to communicate. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, we it's have an, an app. app. Yeah, you've, yeah, we have an app. But we do have, I do have WhatsApp groups where I send, like, not, not even WhatsApp groups, it's a broadcast group where we send the invites and everything. Like tomorrow we're having jazz night. In one of like... Um, do you do salsa nights? No, we do, not yet. We do jazz nights for now. It's in one of... Um, the, there's this guy who owns like um, a carpets company. His company, his family does carpets for hundreds of years. And they do yachts. They build yachts. So he throws jazz night in his house like every week. So you're more than welcome to come. You'll meet genuine people, clean-hearted people. You would even... When you're sitting with all of them, you're going to... I know what you're going to have. You're gonna, man... I love this. Oh, I'm, I'm invited. So cool. you, yes, of this, course you are. You're part of the others now. Uh, <laughs> so it's like it's like I you, didn't know I was invited. So you said your energy, your energy is everything. Plus, you have stones on your table, so you're approved. <laughs> you're approved. You have gems. She's talking about with crystals. I thought you were going to think. I thought you were going to think I was woo woo about having crystals. I love crystals. No, I don't think I, I'm wearing one. No, yeah. no way. So yeah, it's it's like um, you feel like you're welcomed. You're accept. You're accepted for who you are, what you are, and how you think. No judgment whatsoever. And if you want to work with someone, invest in somebody, help somebody, it's a safe space because they're all vetted. So just to so clarify, I hope you're not a criminal. Or something. No, you, you just to clarify, <laughs> just to clarify, you've built your own app to yes. service your own networking. Yes, that's that's a non-profit making thing. It's just no, for you. No, it's, it's just, just for it's just basically like your CRM of good people in yes. your life that can have access to other people. Yes. 
brilliant i love it I, lo- I love the way that you've used your tech background to build something yeah, in-house you don't have to make money from everything you don't you can okay the thing is i am already making money on the side okay if i wasn't making money and i'm making money from this i'm still doing it with a good cause right but the thing is it's like how do i give back i'd come from a tech background now i'm a tech entrepreneur how do i give back let me give back in a tech way you don't have to yeah. always like, give money or do the, the norm. You can change the world in your own way. On the other side of the business model of tech, is, is, is the attraction to tech also about the high multiples you can get on the back of exits when you build in the space as well? Yes, of course. There is always, uh, when it comes to tech, there is always like an exit strategy. Yeah. We reach to point XYZ. We either merge it or acquire other companies under us, or go public with it, or we exit. So yeah. break down that that whole, in a bit more detail for me, that whole journey of how you come. So so XYZ founder comes to you, or you come to someone with an idea, you, okay. you use, you, you, you get, you know from your network that you can get OPM to fund the deal. Yeah. So, so you know that those two things are strong. So you know you can get the money to fund it, you know the people to build it, who do you run your idea through first to, to make sure to validate it before you go and put... Idea. Yeah. I don't validate it. If I have an idea and I believe in it, the community knows me, knows my reputation, I just take it there. And if nobody believes in it, I'll invest in it. <laughs> so so it's, it's, it's... First of all, the experience that I have in, in the market, um, the background that I have, the people that I know, it's easy to know what works and what doesn't. And plus, if you're always going to create safe ideas, you're, it's boring. People who are crazy are the ones that change the world. Like the Steve Jobs, the Mark Zuckerbergs, they're, they're crazy people that believe they can do something, and they did it. So I don't need, you mean someone to validate my idea or go through it? But if you were, so, say someone listening to this wants to start in tech. Yeah. They want to start in tech, they see what you're doing, they see what you're achieving, they see what you've built, they're like yeah. inspired, they want to go into tech. Where do they start? Oh, got it. Okay. So when it comes to technology, um, there are two types of people. There are the geeks and the tech heads, and then there are the business people. And then there are the creatives. I did not come from a tech background, so I looked for someone who was in tech. I am a creative. I come from a marketing creative background. So I was like, I am the creativity, you are the tech, and then you are the finance. And I had three partners in Halahai. And we all came together with one vision, one idea. And there was no costs or overheads because we were working for our own company. I was doing the marketing. I was doing the, the strategy and all the creativity. He was doing the building, the tech, the coding and everything. And someone was doing the finance and, and all that to pitch and to get the money and everything. So you don't have to be the jack of all trades. If you have an idea, you go to someone that can support you with your idea, whether it's the creativity, whether it's the tech, whether it's the code. I know so many coders Sitting at home, kids doing nothing. They're geniuses. Most of the coders in our company, they're at the, from the age of 16 up to 25. They're geniuses and they're just sitting there. Find coders online. And they love coding too. They love, they'll code day and night, you know? So if you tell them, listen, dude, I have this idea. Bro, let's do this, you know? I have this idea. I have this vision for this company. We can make it happen. I just don't know how to code and I'm looking for a partner because I cannot afford to pay you right now. So the coder comes as a partner. And at the beginning, you don't need the finance person. But if you really feel like you both don't know finance and you need someone, a third person, I love partnerships. Like most of my companies, I have four or five partners in each, you know. 
So I believe that when people come together and each one, um, let's say, fits uh, a like, piece of the puzzle, then the puzzle is complete. And there's enough money in this world for everybody to make. It's not like, let's have two partners. We need more money for us. If we do five partners, we can. But these five partners add value. It's like, no, 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 no. So don't be too greedy. Don't chase the paper. Let the paper chase you. You know, when you're ambitious, when you're passionate, when you're a hustler, when you're hardworking, um, your money, the money will chase you. Success will chase you. You just have to have the resilience, the attitude, the ambition. Because I can teach you everything from tech to marketing. I can teach you everything, but I cannot teach you ambition. I cannot teach you character. If you lack these things, it's an issue. So try to find people who know these things. Start the idea small. Test it out. Once the test is done, take it to investors and show them. I know a lot. there are types of investors. You got VCs. You got seed investors. You got this. You, there's a million ways to raise money. Safe notes, um, whatever it is. Money is not even hard nowadays. There's a million ways to make money. But you just have to have the personality it takes for people to invest. Because me, I, I do invest. You have to be investable yourself. 100%. When I invest, I don't invest in ideas. You invest in them. I invest in the person. Because if he's a complete idiot, but he has a genius idea... There's another genius that's going to come with more money and do the same idea in a better way. So I care about the person behind the curtains. Are you worthy of creating a show? Are you worthy of holding it together? And I'll tell you something funny. When we, when me and my partners, because we do have an investment fund as well, when me and my partners want to invest in a company, we take them on a three-day boot camp where we make them survive together. We, let's say we, take, we did it before in the States. We take five entrepreneurs, we create a boot camp, and we make them all go there and try to survive for five days or sometimes three days. And then you look at their temper, teamwork, who fights, who walks away. I don't want to invest in him. I'd invest in the people who are creating things together, trying to solve things together, and they're calm in the midst of, of the storm. They're calm, they're resilient, they're respectful. They still manage to get forward and move. The people who snap and are angry and who boss everybody around, immediately out of the boot camp. So I, in the end, I love creative people. I love creative ideas. But trust me, every idea has been made before. Like there's 9, 10 billion people in this world. I'm sure someone somewhere out there thought of whatever you thought of. Now, let me see you as a person, you as an individual. It's all about how it's executed as well with the right team as well. The the, the key element that you said there is about having the right team to execute the vision. Because at the end of the day, there's no point in having this grand vision. You can have the. I know people with phenomenal ideas, but they've never executed anything in their entire life. Yeah. Because, like you say, an idea is worthless without the team to execute it, the funding, and everything. I, lo- I love the fact that you take people away to to see that in real life before you go and put. I need character. I need a, your character. A, a million dollars or two million dollars yeah. into a development of an idea. Even that, even fifty thousand dollars. I still need to see your character. Uh, it's. It, I love creativity. But if it doesn't have the right legs, it will fall. And uh, like I need the legs. And the person behind the idea is the legs. How solid are you? Okay, let's push him. Let's shove him. And I think this, this, a lot of this deep self-worth, self-confidence, self-love that you've now got within yourself yeah. that I feel when you're talking to me here today, that's come from this, this spiritual piece that I want to go into with you. Yeah. Like obviously you've been on a massive spiritual awakening on, on the back of these abusive relationships the the business that's gone right that's gone wrong the past your culture and everything else combined as 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 led you to a point where you've gone 
do you know what? I need to learn more about who I actually am, not who society tells me I am. True. Talking to that. So the reason, okay, the reason I went into spirituality is because I, I hit rock bottom. My business partner stole my money, which was my best friend. Um, my ex-husband it was a bad marriage. It had to end. So I was in a very bad place in my life, and I hit rock bottom. Now, one beautiful thing about pain is and, and traumas, they either make you better or bitter. You can either come out of an experience saying, you know what, I'm just going to hate everybody. No one did me right. I'm not going to do anyone right. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. I'm going to be this. So basically, you became another version of the person that hurt you. Amazing. Another asshole to add to the world, you know? But if you go through pain and you, it hits you deep and you sit with yourself and you say, I know how it feels to be neglected. I know how it feels to be abused. I know how it feels to be um, used. Therefore, I will never allow myself to cast that pain to anyone. So just because I went through it, I don't want anyone to feel it. So I'm going to work so hard on myself. So I make sure I don't make anyone go through it because I went through it. And I know how, it, how much it hurts. And I know how it feels like to need somebody, to want somebody, to, to love you, to, to just be there for you. I know how it feels like. Therefore, I'm never going to let someone beg me for these things. So pain it either teaches you or beats you, basically. But thank God it was a teacher for me. I have friends who it was a beater for them, and they became worse. So when I went through this hardship, I promised myself to never conflict these pains to anyone ever because it was really painful but being that low and that like hitting rock bottom in life is when I my mind just started to wonder and I started to ask myself questions I wouldn't say it was navigated or planned to go into a spiritual uh, pathway no it it was just as if my spirit was like a compass and it was showing me where to go what to do and I was just drawn to the weirdest things that I've never thought of in my life like for example I, I was just sitting down, going through a depression, and I was like, I want to book a ticket and go to India. I don't even know anyone there at that time. I knew some investors, but I didn't know anyone that I can go and stay with. Went to India, um, stayed in, uh, was it, I stayed in Delhi for 18 days on my own, doing nothing but sitting with, like, spiritual people on my own, eating and sleeping, doing nothing. And I didn't know why I was doing it. So it was like a calling. You know, I just felt and I followed. And then that made me question myself more and ask myself questions. And that, I, I don't know how to explain it, but everything just starts falling in place. Then I see this video online, coincidentally. Then I see that. Then I see this book. Then I see this. Then I meet this lady. She speaks to me about something that I'm already asking myself. It's like God or like the universe puts everything into place in front of you, you know? And it just shows you the path, the way. And that was my path through spirituality and awakening. And once you're awakened, you can't go back to sleep. It's just completely hard. And uh, yeah, I realized that with inner peace and happiness internally, and um, how do I say this? Um, when you have gratitude and you're fulfilled as a spirit, as a human, you are like water. Nothing stops you. You move through everything. Nothing bothers you. Problems are not problems. They're, they're hardship with solutions. Hidden in between, you need to find. People let you down. You're not upset. 
you love them from far, you don't think of revenge, and you do business in a better way, your morals when it comes to money and how you'd work is completely, you completely shift in every relationship in your life when you are spiritually aligned, completely. I'm a better businesswoman, I'm a better mother, I'm a better friend, I'm a better daughter because of my spiritual path and my awakening. It just... I love it because a lot of people say, oh, I'm a businesswoman, I'm a businessman, I don't need spirituality, I'm making money. And, and I sit there and I go like, you have no idea what you're missing because you don't know you're missing it yet. But that alignment, that spiritual alignment and inner peace and healing from your traumas makes you like 10x as an entrepreneur. Just and makes 10x you as a leader. 100%. 100%. Gives you, it gives you that wholeness that I think yes. that you kind of always feel you're missing before you go into any breath work yeah. or meditation or healing of trauma wounds. What are some of the wounds that, that you potentially still have that you're trying to heal through at the moment? Um, I've been doing healing for like six years, deep, deep spiritual healing. I've done hypnotherapy. I've done everything you can think of because I don't think my soul needs a Rolls Royce or a Birkin. It doesn't even care about these things. My soul needs attention. So if my leg hurts, I go to, uh, what do you call it, like a bone doctor, orthopedia? Chiropractor. Chiropractor, whatever, yeah, okay. I don't think that's the right word, though. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying, orthopedic surgeon or something. So if my heart hurts, I'll go to a heart surgeon. If my head hurts, I'll go to a head specialist. My throat hurts, I'll go to an endocrinologist. So it's like when your body hurts, you always go to experts to help you. But when your soul is hurting, what are you doing about it? Or you're completely neglecting because it's something you don't see, touch, or feel. But you're, you're literally getting lost in this 3D experience and all you're focused on is your physical body. The way you look, the bag you're carrying, the car you're driving, where you eat, where you're flying first class only and all that. And it's like, dude, your soul doesn't need all of that. Your spirit is so simple. It just needs some healing. So... After going to do deep, deep spiritual healing and cleansing from my traumas, I found out, because my healers always bring science into it, so they just found out recently that the heart has its own like uh, neurological and neurons like system, and it's like the brain thinks for itself, the heart. They just found out this now. And, you know, like for thousands of years, all these spiritual people and everyone is saying, The universe is inside of you. Like everything you need is inside of you. You are your healer. You don't need anything. You are everything complete within you. So then they found out that the stomach has its own mind and it has its own way of thinking and reacting and all that. Their own energy fields. Dr. Joe Dispenza has been talking about this for years. 100%. But then I found out that when I was sitting with my healer and I was like, I'm so over my ex-husband. I'm completely fine. I can make fun of everything he's done to me. I'm good and I'm in a good place. And then... When we started the session, I realized that my conscious mind was completely over my ex-husband. Subconsciously. Even my subconscious forgot about him. But our body... At a cellular level. On a cellular level, holds Holds trauma. Holds trauma. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a memory that's stuck in your body. 100%. I didn't know that. And when I did the healing, I started remembering the things that I went through and where it hurts in the body and connecting it with that. And I was like, oh my God, this is insane. It's insane. And then I realized that I do have digestion issues. I do have... Unspoken, unspoken, unspoken words. Because I was silenced when I was married for so long and I couldn't tell people the truth. So S- it's like stored. And that became hypothyroid. 
So emotional shock became an autoimmune disease because autoimmune, what is an autoimmune disease? It's your immune system irritated from something. So everything made sense. And I slowly started to go deeper and deeper and deeper, releasing all these feelings from different parts of my body based on every experience that shocked me or traumatized me. Then I did like um, hypnotherapy so I could remember my childhood because I cannot remember shit from the age of four or five, three. So I had to do hypnotherapy, go back to my traumas when I was a child, heal that. I did a generational trauma healing. I've where, done it. Yeah, it's, where I went back to that, my... That's, you go back to where you are, an eight-year-old. Yeah, it's crazy. I went back to my great-great-great-grandmother, and she was also silenced, and her voice was taken away. So she ha- she developed hypothyroid. Then she passed it to the women in the family because they were also silenced about it. So it was just like generational traumas and things carried in the genes people say it's genetics it's not genetics it's everything is stored it's memories within your dna stored there passed to you so my mum had a child before i was born okay that, that sadly passed away oh i'm sorry so the trauma that my that my mum carried during the pregnancy with me was transmuted in, into me 100% because because i I f- felt when I've done these spiritual healings and stuff like that and gone through it, I felt the release of this kind of stuff out yeah. of my life. And I can't explain it to you because you have to experience it. Like like you'll, you'll be able to tell the audience the same thing. You have to experience it to know it. But when you go through it, it's, it's like lifting a bag of bricks off your shoulders. 100%. Because everything it's every every trauma and every everything gen, every generational pattern is is held at the most smallest cellular level in your body, yes. and it and you'll transmute pain at certain points in your body, not because of the physical ailment in your body, but because of the the transmuted stress from the generational trauma that you faced or your family's faced or that you've picked up from childhood. Yeah, and you need to cry it out, let it out of your body in some way. That's why breath work. Yeah. meditation is really good but anything any, any anything like breath work sound bowl healing no it sounds yeah. woo woo to a lot of people but it's not woo woo but, but, but it's, it's so beautiful but, but but sound the resonance of sound is a great thing to heal yeah. you at a cellular level like sound baths and things like that has helped me no end in the past where where it's come to to release things at that level yeah have you ever done some sound? Of course. Healing? I've been through the woo-woo pathway. I've done it all. And I love it. And I don't see my life ever. I cannot move forward now without these things in my life. But um, you're right. No matter how much I speak to people about it, it's like you will never know unless you tried. Because people say, I'm okay. I'm happy. I got kids. I got this. I, got, I don't need anything. You don't know yeah. yet. Every time yeah. you say you're okay when it's not your truth you are storing more trauma, trauma, trauma exactly. within you at a cellular level that you have to then deal with exactly. at some point. And like you say, if you don't deal with it, like if you constantly don't speak when you want to speak about something, so like someone's abusive to you and you, and you, and you don't say anything, or and, and this constantly goes on as a topic through your life, you'll find you'll have a problem with your throat first yes. and then it moves down your body. And that's how people develop cancers and stresses True. in their body because these are just manifested realities that happen on the back of you constantly avoiding the things that you should have not been avoiding in yeah. your life because you didn't know any better. Yeah. That's what I've kind of found no, from my you're, experience. You're 100% right because when you don't speak your truth, that is you're traumatizing yourself. You're storing more to what's already in there. You're making it worse because you're not speaking your truth. 
But, you know, as much as me and you can sit and talk and talk about this, I don't think people will get it until they try it and they see the difference. And you're right. You feel like mm-hmm. you walk in, you're like, okay, let's try this, whatever. Once you leave, you're like, oh, I love this. And you feel like you're like half your weight because you feel like everything has been let down. It, it, carrying it for all these years, you're used to the weight. I mean, I, on a personal level, I've tried to force relationships in the past. Yeah thinking, oh, it's the right time to have one, so I'll just have one. Whereas I hadn't done enough healing on a personal level to be able to facilitate the relationship in the first place. Yeah, I've then come out of it and gone, oh, she's toxic, she's this, she's that, projection. Yeah, And even though, yes, they were toxic, it's, 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 it's because of the healing that I had to do within myself 100%. Right, as a man. Yeah. And you can't, you can't teach someone that. You have to go through it, you have to live it, you have to breathe it, you have to sit through, you have to... As a man, you have to be willing to cry in some scenarios 100%. because there's trauma that has to be released and that's probably the only way you can release it. Yeah. And not many people will talk about it because not many people are willing enough to go through the hard times it takes to be able to do that yeah. on, a, on a level that we're talking about here. That's true. I mean, I don't like toxic masculinity. I feel a man, if, if a man needs to cry, he can cry. He should cry because that's also releasing energy. But I think the best way I can describe vibrations and energy and our higher self and the connection to the universe and everything inside of our body is when we are in the car and we're listening to music what are you listening to exactly on the radio well actually the frequency in a it it, of a song on a car radio is fixed at a frequency that isn't congruent to healing it's fixed at a frequency. I can't think. It's 404. It's 4.35. Yeah. Yeah. But four, but, but 4.35 isn't... No, that's a good one. You mean it's higher than that? No, the resonance that we listen to of radio and TV is a resonance that's not good for the soul. Not good for us, but that's it's, intentionally done. It's, it's, done, but yeah. it's intentionally done to dampen 100%. your spirituality and cut, yes. you and, cut, and cut off your connection to a higher yes. realm. Hundred percent, and and inner wisdom. Hundred percent. That's why they want you listening to gangster rap yeah. and all this stuff. Cause it's all played at low resonance. Yeah. No, it's true. But the thing is, wh- the reason why I told you the radio uh, example is, if people don't believe in energy and vibrations, and that we connect through vibrations to the universe and the world, it's like when you're sitting in your car and you're listening to music. What are you listening to? Can you touch music? Can you see music? How is music coming out of the radio to your ear and you're listening to it? It's not there. There is a certain vibration or a frequency that the music is carried on that your ears can hear. Now, there are frequencies that are higher or lower that you as a human can't get because we're not used to that frequency. And the more we listen to music that has the bad frequency for our body, the more we're disconnected from the real frequency that we really have with our higher self. Yeah. So what I, what I think... you're. Our higher self is not complicated. A lot of people are going to say, oh, what is the higher self? What are you talking about and all that? Your higher self is basically your spirit that is inside your body. But if you want to, let's say, let, let me put it for you in, let me, let me take it down. Let me take it down as if I'm talking to a child, okay? When you're playing PlayStation and you're playing Grand, Grand Theft Auto, you are the higher self on the joystick playing and your body is the one play, being played in the game. So your higher self is connected and the wire of, of the, the, let's say, the joystick or the wireless joystick that you're playing with and your avatar is playing in the game, that's how we are in real life. I am the avatar. My spirit is my higher self. 
but how do I connect to understand what my spirit needs or so I can be in touch with my spirituality if I'm constantly feeding my body things that will dumb me down, cut the connection with that, and then I will always be a person who feels like I'm powerless. They take your power away. But it's intentional, the music industry. That's why right now I don't listen to a lot of music. I listen to Mozart, I listen to this, I listen to that, because I know the frequency is healthy. But I, I, it's weird because I love music. I love the Backstreet Boys. But I started, like, it's been five, six months, I don't listen to music because I am so scared from what I'm feeding myself. 100%. And yeah. you're so right because the, it's the low resonance that actually yeah. dampens down and you'll wonder why you feel stressed and aggravated and stuff like that. It's because you're being constantly bombarded with frequencies yeah. that disconnect you from yourself that's yeah. why when you go to these places that do even sound bowl healing yeah. and you're laying there yeah. the different sizes of the bowls and the, and the crist and the crystalline structure so your body is is 80 water and yeah. you are a crystalline structure within your body yeah and obviously when you play the resonance from the different sound bowls at different frequencies into the crystalline structure of the water molecules inside your body you're you're your body laps that up because they're the frequencies it wants to work with. Yeah. So, so that's what, that's how you create healing with sound. So if you can create healing with sound and it's been proven that that can, because sound and resonance can heal, yeah. heal cancers and all this kind of stuff. If that's the case and that's true, which it is, then of course, if someone wants to influence you on a mass scale, what they're going to yeah. do, they're going to, they're going to play sounds and frequencies to you that disempower your growth, disempower that, your growth that disconnect you from who you are we, we are powerful beings we are divine power but the power has been stripped away through education through culture through the music through the movies through brainwashing and i always say this in every podcast our brain is like tofu whatever we marinated in it becomes so this is what happens to us and then if you think of it your higher self your spirit is a song. You need the right frequency to hear it, just like you hear the music in your car on the radio. That's as simple as it gets. Well, it but just you allows you to listen. To, exactly. It allows you to listen to your higher self so you can understand so many things about life. But how could you do that if the signal is broken? It's like going to a tiny room in your house that has zero signal and trying to send a text. There's no signal. Do you see signal? Can we touch it? Can we? No. Us humans, we have the same thing. And if the signal is weak... Nothing goes through. You know, the message doesn't go through. It's loading. It's stuck. It's. I, I just wish we could, I could just the, take a magic wand and turn everyone to a spiritual person. The, the, there's, two, there's two ways that people disconnect from themselves before they get to the spiritual point. The first way is they say they're going to do something and then they don't do it, which disempowers themselves. Yeah. The, the, next, the, next, the next thing is they... they they hear their gut tell them that something is wrong and that they, they shouldn't ignore. do something, and then they ignore their gut. Mm. You have to be able to back up your words of what you so do what you say you're going to do. Yeah. If you say you're going to go for a run at six a.m. in the morning and you cancel on yourself for yeah. no good reason other than the fact that you're being lazy, yeah, you are cutting the cord. Yeah. If you if you don't back your gut feeling on a person, yeah. on a situation, on a business dealing. You're cutting the cord. That's before you even get to the point where you can accentuate and go to yes. to, to to the higher purpose that you're talking about and, so be, and be connected. And you need to people need to get the stages right. So if you were going to say to someone about how they can get closer faster, what would your advice be? 
Closer, faster to what? To 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 to, to being being more spiritually connected. To what would your path to that be? Uh, I there is no path. It's it's it comes to you. It's a calling. It it just happens. Just listen. Pay attention and listen. But how can they get to the point then? Faster, so they can get to the listening point. The thing is, because I had nobody dropped me a pin on Google Map to understand how to reach to spirituality, it just came to me. So if somebody asks me, so how do I become like you spiritually? I say, I don't know. I don't know because it just comes to you. But I listened because I know that for a while I ignored. I had these ideas. I had these questions. I was like, what the hell am I thinking of right now? No, 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 no. Let me watch a movie. Let me go out with friends. When you are going through a hard time, stop keeping yourself busy. Because that's the biggest mistake we do is we hide it under the rug, we keep ourselves busy, and then we explode one day. And when you are keeping yourself busy, instead of letting it hit you and go through you and pass through you, you miss a lot of things that you need to see and understand about yourself. So I feel like because I decided to sit down, not travel with my friends, not party, not go out, not all that, I decided to sit down with my pain and live through it. That's when my mind started thinking differently and, and this voice in my head was asking me questions and asking me to look at life in a different way and all that. And I was like, oh my God, I feel like that's the way. So if you have any signs, if you have any voices in your head or if you have any, let's say, curiosity towards something, allow, give yourself the permission to explore. That's it. Because I know a lot of people who are very curious and so, like, it's funny because when I use their phone to search something on, on let's say, on Safari, I, I, there are searches open and it's like ancient Egyptian civilization. And then I look at them, I'm like, wait, I thought you're not interested in this. Like, no, I was just making fun. It's like they are not allowing or giving the permission to themselves to genuinely experience and go through this. They're not giving themselves the permission. It's like... Even the funny part is that most of the people that are, let's say, I'd say 50-50, half in, half out, they always go around and ask people, do you think I should do this? Do you think I should think of that? Do you think I should read this? Do you think I should think of it? It's like, dude, why are you getting permission from other people? Why don't you give yourself the permission to do it? Why do you need all this validation and all this permissions from strangers? This is your journey. So it's so important to just, you know, when you're going through something hard, switch off, stay on your own, let it hit you. Whatever you're curious to, let it go, accept it, give yourself the permission to explore and to go deep, and that's it. And that's what I did. I allowed. I gave full permission. You allowed yourself the time to just be. To just be. And I think that's what, that's the key thing in that is like, if you allow yourself that time to, to, to get quiet with yourself, yeah. you can learn so much more by 100%. by listening to your that inner tuition that you can't hear in a busy world when you're operating a business at the level that no. you're operating at. When you're jumping from a bar to a party to forget a heartbreak, then alcohol, and then and then eating, and then again repeat, sleep, repeat, sleep. How the hell are you going to connect with yourself? How the hell are you going to listen to what you need or what you're feeling? How the hell do you even know how you're feeling? Have you ever had a time in your life where you've turned to substances like alcohol, drugs? No, never. Or? I don't drink. I, I'm not. I tried it by mistake when I was younger in Thailand. I got a. I ordered a juice, uh, a cocktail, and it was mixed. And I was a kid, and I hated the taste. I hated the experience. I was like throwing up. I end up with like diarrhea and like everything you could think of happened. And then I was like, ah, oh, not my thing. So I don't drink. I don't do anything. But. I th- I think the not drinking thing. I mean, I've never had alcohol, so I no, don't, never never had alcohol. Amazing, okay. Which for a British 
lad it's, it's hard is, to is, is hard to understand right yeah but I I do I do think that the alcohol that and the amount of alcohol that people drink nowadays blocks it, it, it blocks you from your from your truth and from 100% in business it, it makes you less productive um but I'm not here to judge people for drinking or not. There's there is a sociable level of drinking. I just think that if you're constantly going out to drink at a certain level to make yourself happy, yeah, with a depressant, it doesn't make any sense to me. So it just kind of it, it, it doesn't it doesn't work. Some people just have to have to when they really if they really sat down in a cold light of day and actually observe themselves from the outside. Yeah, ask yourself if I'm observing myself from the outside, is how I'm moving congruent with one who I am true. and two with where I want to go? Do you know That's what I'm true. saying? But also, I, since you said that, I have a beautiful uh, story or like metaphor, not a metaphor, it's actually a fact, but it's a beautiful story to explain human behavior and how they act in time of distress or hardship or pain. So what is this animal called? Wait, there's the cow. And what's the animal with the big horns? An ox? Bull. Not a bull, the uh, other one. What? Is it an, is ox? an ox? Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah, just go with ox. Okay, anyways, if you we'll Google, go with ox. If you Google the story and it turns out to be some other animal, I, just you get the point. Anyways, yeah. but basically it says when there's a tornado, um, or like a the tornado, right? Yeah, yeah, twister when there's tornado. There's a yeah. twister tornado and there's a storm. Cows run away from the tornado, so the tornado chases them, and the cows get t- get tired every time they run far. The tornado catches up, and they get tired, and they get t- and it's like it's exhausting. But the ox, or I think let's call it the ox or the bull or the other animal, when a tornado comes, they run through it. They run through it and they reach the other side and like, oh, you know, it's over. So the the story behind this or the metaphor behind this, this is how the animals act in real life, actually. But how humans are is that you're like, like, most people are like the cows. They run away from their problems. They get tired. They run away. They're far away. They get tired. They rest and the problem catches up with them. And it's like they don't want to face it, so they keep running away from it. But if you become an ox or like the bull and you run through the hardship and you let it hit you and you feel it and you pass through it, then life is greener on the other side. And, and that's what humans do. And I feel like the best gate to spirituality is to face and run like the bull through the pain and let it hit you and accept it and feel it instead of running away and it catching up with you every time you go far. So I feel like that's how humans are. What? So be be the bull, don't be the cow or what, the ox. <laughs> what other things are you teaching your son so that he breaks the generational pattern that you've been through? Everything I talk to you about right now, my son knows. Everything. I speak to him like an old man. I don't treat him like a child. Um, I'm honest. I'm very transparent with my son. He's allowed to have an opinion. He talks about deep spirituality and He's into the stars, astrology, and all these things. And how, like, how old is he now? Seven. Seven. Yeah, but he's like a 30-year-old man if you talk to him. He's very mature for his Because I was reading a story about your son that he'll come to business meetings with you as well. Yeah. And this is something that I kind of resonate with. I wish that I had, you know, been taken to business meetings and accountancy meetings and all that stuff when I was a kid. Yeah. Because that's worth a lot to you. I mean, how much have you noticed in his development as a, as a young man just by the environment that you're constantly putting him in, which is challenging him? Uh, Okay, now the hard part is that when he mixes with other kids, I feel like everything I teach him gets diluted because he's confused. Mommy teaches something at home and a way to look at life. And then when I go to my friend's house, it's a complete different thing. 
But all my friends are the same, except my mom is teaching me something completely different. So I get it. It's hard for a kid. But I feel like if you keep insisting and you keep repeating, not just with words, but with your actions, because kids don't listen. They watch. So my son watches me. I meditate. And I do every time I'm upset, I do the healing. Um, I, I do the theta thing, so the meditation. So he knows and he sees me. And now I'm noticing, before it was like, I don't want to do meditation with you. I don't want to heal. I don't want to do this. And he knows it's important. But as a kid, he wants to watch TV. Now, every time I do it without him, he's like, Mom, I'm upset. I heard you were meditating without me. So it's like now he's coming into peace with the idea. Before he was a child who had a busy life and didn't want to do what Mommy did. But when he realized Mommy did it anyways without him, he's like following. But also, like... I use modern ways to teach my son. For example, once I went to school and he was like, Mom, when you come to school, hide your tattoos. Put your sleeves down. I was like, why? He's like, because all the kids, they're like, why does your mom have tattoos? You're Arabs. Aren't you Arabs? And I was like, um, why do you care about what people say? It doesn't matter. And then um, he was like, no, but Mom, I don't care. I love you, but I feel weird. Everyone's asking me these questions and their mom's asking. I was like, let me go to school with you. So I went to a school uh, during their, their break time. I sat with all the kids in the class. I played games with them. I was like talking to them about cartoon and, and games and all that and everything. Everyone ended up telling him, your mom is so cool. We love her tattoos and all that. So now he doesn't allow people to make him feel small just because his mom is different. Now, whenever somebody says, your mom has tattoos, he's like, so she's cool. Does your mom have tattoos? So now you cannot bully him because I... Brain, like uh, the, way, the way I prepped his brain is to live the life you want, the way you want, and don't care about what people say. And it's okay to be different. It's okay to change your mind at any time. And it's okay to be a person that's not fitting somewhere where everyone fits. It's okay. That's, that, that's what makes you cool. But another incident is like, for example, now he's seven. Last year, he was like, mom, when you come to school, don't kiss me in front of my friends. I was like, oh. <gasps> Me and you kiss all the time. We hug all the time. Love Our love language is touch and like affection. So he was like, no, but all the boys made fun of me last time. So I went to school during their break time. <laughs> I went to school and I had my laptop and I called all the kids. I'm like, do you guys like The Rock? And they're like, yes. I'm like, let me show you his Instagram account. They're like, oh, we see his, we have an Instagram account. I'm like, let me show you one video. And then I played a video of The Rock kissing his mom. And hugging her. And he's like, mom, I bought you a house. And he's hugging her. He's like, I love you. You're the best mom ever. And I looked at them. I'm like, if The Rock, with all these million followers, doesn't mind showing the whole world how much he loves his mom and he's in this age, you guys are ashamed? So then since that day, my son always kisses me. In class, he's like licking my face. He doesn't care about what his friends say. So I feel like I cannot just sit him and like have like a spiritual conversation sometimes with him because he's a kid. But I can use life examples that are cool and modern to show him that, hey, don't shift into toxic masculinity because that's not how I'm raising you. You can cry. You can dress weird. You can be different. You can be whatever you want to be. Don't let people bully you or make you feel like you don't fit. You're not supposed to fit. You're not born to fit. On the, on the, the toxic side of things, obviously... Andrew Tate lived in Dubai for a, for, a, for a period of time and obviously he would have been in similar circles to perhaps some of the ones that you rolled around. What, what is your opinion on him as a narrative? Have, have the people got him wrong? Is he toxic? What, what's your kind of opinion on that? I don't know because, see, as a human, without a name, as a spirit, 
I wish him all the best. I love him. He's a, he's like just like I love any spirit. But when it comes to the character of Andrew Tate and who he is, I don't know because I've seen negative things about him. I've seen positive things about him. It's like it's confusing because sometimes he says things that disrespect women, but then sometimes he says things that empower women. So it's like, okay, I, I don't get it. Which side are you on? Are you the alpha male who suppresses women or are you the uh, man that empowers women? I, I, it's, his content confuses me. So I honestly don't have an opinion. But as a spirit, I respect him. But other than that, as a character, I don't really know. I, I, but I, I, I did watch a lot of things that I did not like. But I did watch some advices about business or about life that I kind of liked. Because, you know, you can, you can dis... It's like, it's like the box of chocolate thing. It's like not everything he would say I would like. But maybe I'd pick something and learn from it. But everything else, it doesn't fit with my value and my morals and ethics as a woman. That's one of the, the key things that I've kind of learned from listening to you on other content and obviously being in your presence and around you is the fact of just because the whole of someone isn't what you take on yourself, you're still willing to take the parts that are good and implement them in your life if necessary to yes. move yourself forward. And, yes. you, and you don't judge yourself or judge them for that. No, because I know people will judge me. Like if I said if I said the same thing I just told you about Andrew Tate to people, they go like, "Oh, you either like him or hate him. Oh, now you like him or now you hate him." It's like, no, 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 dude. I am a student of life, and if I meet someone that I don't really like and he doesn't resonate with me, but I can pick some lessons from him to add to my knowledge, hell yeah, I'm winning. So I'm not ashamed to say I don't like somebody, but I learned from them. I don't like this, but I can pick something from that. I. I don't judge myself because look, if you really care about what people would think of you and what you say, you're not healed. That's, that's no, but that's you judging yourself because you are thinking they're going to think something of you. That's you thinking that of yourself. It's not people. So when, yeah, when you're worried about what people would say, that's you judging yourself. It's not people judging you. So I don't judge myself. I don't care. I'm living in such harmony and such peace that what people think of me don't bother me. You think good? Okay. You think bad? Okay. Are you in the kind of place now that, you know, in your entrepreneurial journey and your spiritual journey and obviously with the age that your son is now where you're kind of at the point now where you can say, do you know what, I'm I'm healed and I'm whole so I want to have that relationship with that guy Etc. Etc. No, of course. The thing is, I learned something that I, a woman or a man, should not start a relationship or have children until they've done the work on themselves. Because if you care about somebody, you want to show up to them in the best version of you, and that's the most beautiful way to love someone ever is to take care of you, so you don't bleed on the people who didn't cut you. So with me, I had a baby while I was still going going through traumas and all that. But now I'm trying to make up for it. I even take him to spiritual healing sometime and all that. Um, and I just, right now, I'm like, okay, if I'm going to start a relationship, I need to really be not completely healed. We're, we're, we're like, you know, we're a work in progress, right? But it's like, at least in a good place, not to conflict pain or issues or problems or rub my issues on somebody yeah. and create problems out of them, out of, out of it with them. So... I really believe like right now in this, where I am in my life, I'm ready to move forward and to start a relationship or to even get married and have more kids. I don't mind because I feel like I am not completely healed, but I'm healing 
and I'm in such a beautiful place, and I feel like there is no generational traumas anymore, and my generation starts with me, with my children, with their children. I am breaking the cycle, and I'm starting it fresh with me. I'm not carrying that anymore. I love it. I love yeah. it. And I, and I kind of feel that with you as well. I feel like you've been on this whole journey to become a complete package, both in business, mind, soul, and everything else. So it's all wrapped into and entwined into one. I would, yes, but I'll tell you the secret. I just found my spirit and connected, and then everything fell into place. It's not like I yeah. did it intentionally. It's like everything in my life became perfect and in harmony and um, connected because I'm aligned inside. Yeah, and yeah. then and and then I also showed through your physical body with with the pains and ailments and other stuff disappearing as a as a yes. correlation to that. Yes, if there's. If, if you had to check out the world tomorrow, you can't take the tech companies or all the success, the business, the articles, the awards and all the bullshit. You can't take any of that. But you could just leave one piece of wisdom right now on this podcast that can move this whole audience today 1% forward. What would it be? Like a piece of advice? Yeah. But, but, but before I tell you that, let me tell you that I know for a fact that none of what I have will go with me to the grave. It's borrowed, okay? So I don't let it affect me so much. But it's going to stay here. It was found here. I came with nothing. I leave with nothing. But if I was to leave people with one advice, I would leave them with two things. Number one, death is not life interrupted. It's life complete. So when you die, you've came, you've done your mission. It's time for you to go. So it's not like your life got interrupted. You had the time. You didn't use it wisely or you used it wisely. It was short. It was long. You don't know. I might die tomorrow. You might die after tomorrow. He might die two days after being born. It's like, what are the choices we're making in life right now? What are the decisions? How are you treating people? How are you treating yourself? How are you making the world a better place? In that short period of time where I feel like right now people are just paying money to get their names in books and on walls and, and, and on museums and all that, it's like... That's like, I feel like it's not even a legacy when you do that. A legacy is when you leave, how did you make people feel and how they're going to remember you? And if you left a good impression, then you're immortal in everyone's hearts. You don't need to be on a wall or a book or, or a museum to be immortal. You can be immortal in people's hearts. So let death not be your biggest fear in life. Let it be your biggest inspiration. Because that's my, if you ask me what's your biggest inspiration in life, I'd say death. It inspires me. Knowing that I can sleep and not wake up makes me want to do everything I can do to experience life the fullest, to be the best version of me, to be kind, to be loving. Because when I leave, I want to leave empty. I want to leave with no ounce of love, no ounce of kindness. I want to leave it all here. So I just want to leave empty, dry. So it's like death is my biggest... It used to be, it used to be my biggest fear. But right now it's like it inspires me so much that it makes me... Start nine companies. It makes me get divorced twice and think of moving forward, even if I had to get married 10 times. It makes me want to open tech companies, restaurants, this and this and that, finance companies, because I know I'm going to die at any second. So if I live it right, one time is more than enough. But if I live it wrong. And there you have it, guys. <laughs> well, and if that's not an impactful conversation to get you thinking and moving differently in all areas of your life your business and everything you want to achieve 
I don't know what else to give you, but I just want to thank you again for thank coming for having on, me. for coming on here. I this really, was fun. I really appreciate. Of course, it was fun. I it's told fun. you. I told we you. We spoke about woo. -woo. I like that. Yeah, and I, like I that. wanted to get. I wanted to give the audience a real insight into obviously how you move on all levels of, yeah. of not just the surface level stuff with business. There's a lot more that to you like you've showed throughout this yeah. that I wanted people to really understand. And I, and I feel you guys have got to see that firsthand. Do me a solid favor, share the content on all the social platforms, share it in your WhatsApp groups, like subscribe, just, yeah, just do me a solid favor. It, it brings me so much joy to bring these kind of conversations to you at scale and i love it on every level and i really appreciate you thank you for having me let's awaken the world let's awaken the world, awaken the world. much love guys do me a solid favor drop a comment below this video and let us know who you want on the podcast next <laughs>